All right, praise the Lord. Great, great music today. And thank you all, um, even uh, during the congregational singing. Thank you for singing out this morning. Uh, I believe it always prepares our hearts here for the service. We have the kids go ahead and, and dismiss uh, for their class time here. And uh, we'll be turning back to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. And uh, <clears throat> I know we're starting right here at the beginning of a book. I'm not planning to, uh, but I don't want to give the impression that we're starting a, a, a series into 2 Corinthians or anything this morning. But I was recently reading here uh, through um, 1 Corinthians into 2 Corinthians. And um, <clears throat> we're going to look at this passage that we read here this morning, um, verses 1 through 11. We're going to look at them kind of in reverse order because down at the, uh, the, the, the first verses, they, they build up to a statement that is, I believe, made there in um, verse 11 where Paul says to the, these Christians at Corinth, he says to this church, he says that uh, ye also helping together by prayer for us. That this church, whether they really realized it and really ex- even understood the full extent of it or not, by this church, uh, through their prayers, they were, they were helping. I just had this thought this, this morning, and, and, um, uh, and, and I don't intend to go any longer than we normally do here this morning, so don't, don't worry about that either. But um, I just thought this, this morning for us today that prayer helps, and that prayer helps in, 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 in everything. The Bible says in everything um, uh, give thanks. It says, uh, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God that uh, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That prayer helps and that prayer helps anything and everything and, and prayer always helps and prayer helps in ways that we couldn't possibly begin to understand or imagine in Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That, 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 that by prayer and through prayer, God is able to do amazing and incredible things and, and exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think by the virtue of his people praying, by the, by the prayer of faith that prayer helps uh, Paul here has had many just different inter- interactions here with the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth is, is a unique situation. Um, and uh, Paul uh, was, was really there at the founding. The Lord brought him all the way down to the city of Corinth, which was uh, a big city and, and a, a diverse city and, a, and, a, and a, uh, an active and a thriving city at the time. Uh, there was a lot of of, of, of money there and there was a lot of industry there and there was a lot of business there and there was a lot of trade there right there during the, the, the Roman Empire it was a, 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 a port of trade and there were people from really all over the known world in this place and with that there was a, a multiplicity of, of religion and gods and there was a multiplicity of, uh, of, of things to be involved in some, some good and, and, and a lot of it bad and uh, Paul was brought there um, uh, in, in his mission's journey and, and, and won some people to Christ and, and, and founded a church there and uh, uh, set some, some things in order and, and set some elders in place and then moved on only to hear uh, down the road that there were some problems. Uh, we're led to believe that Paul wrote um, at least four letters to the church at Corinth 
to, to address some of these things. We have two of them in First and Second Corinthians um, to, to help this church. This church in First Corinthians, if you're familiar with it, there's just a lot of issues going on there, a lot of problems that are taking place in this church. And between First and Second Corinthians, a lot of that had been helped in, in, in that letter. They'd responded well to it and they'd corrected a lot of that. And Paul writes back to them again, just to continue to encourage them to press on and to go forward and, and get back to what God had called them to do. He also writes back to report to them about how things are going for him. Uh, they care about Paul the way that Paul cares about uh, the, the, the people in that church. And, um, and he wants to encourage them that, that, that their prayers for him and their support for him has made a difference. As if they were helping by prayer. Paul said there in um, verse 8, he said, we're not... We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength and so much that we despaired even of life. And we're not exactly sure which trouble Paul was talking about because Paul had so many different um, uh, troubles that came his way um, along the way. And we know even later in this very book, I believe it's in chapter 11 that Paul speaks of uh, times of, of, of being shipwrecked and imprisoned and beaten and persecuted and, and all the things that had happened to him along the way in the course of serving the Lord. He talks about this trouble coming to him in Asia. And Asia was really the, the western end of, of the modern country of Turkey, that Turkish peninsula. Uh, the, the, the city of Ephesus was there, really a major city in that part of that region of the world. And we know that um, there were different times, even recorded for us in the book of Acts, where Paul had some troubles there in that part of the world. And, um, <clears throat> and yet, we're not exactly clear on what troubles he was talking about. We know that along the way, in spite of Paul's faithfulness to the Lord, um, and even for the fact of Paul's faithfulness to the Lord, that he ran into troubles. And it was a, it was a comfort to him to know that there were, there were Christians in other places praying for them. And praying for him and praying for his team and praying for, uh, for Luke and for Timothy and, and for Titus and um, for Epaphroditus and whoever else might have been traveling with them at the time. It was a comfort to him. It was a consolation to him. And not only a comfort to him, a consolation, but he actually uh, believed that the, the deliverance from those things um, and the, the resolution to those problems and, and the, uh, uh, the sustaining grace of God through that was a direct result of the prayers of God's people. Prayer helps. It helps in, in all things and it, it helps all ways. It helps in ways that we could not truly begin to understand or, or, or quantify. Paul learned the, the value of prayer through those hardships, certainly. It was something that Paul was praying about. We know when he was um, arrested and in, in, uh, in, in put in prison in Philippi that, um, that uh, rather than becoming despondent in the, in the dungeons with his feet in the stocks, that at midnight he and, and Silas were having a, a prayer meeting and a praise meeting in the, in the dungeon there. And, and uh, the, the Lord shook the prison where they were by an earthquake and, and their, their shackles fell off and all the doors came open. And he believed in prayer and he had seen it work for himself, but he also believed in the, the value and the efficacy of his prayers for others and others' prayers for him. When you read the book of Acts, you see that there were, there were trials, there were, there were troubles, there were persecutions. There were, it, was all, it was all brand new territory. And the church had one answer, one solution 
to the problems that came up against them. And you know what it is. It's prayer. A persecution would arise, and what would they do? They would gather together in one place, in one accord, and they would pray. They would pray. Uh, trouble would come up, and, and what would they do? They would, they would pray. They would one answer to their problems. It was prayer. One preacher said, we can do more than pray after that we have prayed, but we can do no more than pray until we have prayed. Yeah, there's more that we can do. And certainly we know, even from the example and the pattern of scriptures, that in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the life of the apostles and of the, of the early church and in the examples of, of saints that have gone on before us, that, yeah, they did more than pray, but they prayed first. And for those who were truly effective and for those who saw um, a mighty outpouring of, of God's uh, blessing on their work and on their ministry and on their efforts that they were making in the name of the Lord, it started with prayer. The, if you've ever read uh, any history of, of revivals of the past, I've read some. I haven't read a lot, but I've read some. But one, one revival in particular, the, the Welsh revival, started with a cottage prayer meeting. There's just some Christians, it wasn't, it wasn't led by the, 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 churches, the churches, it wasn't led by the pastors, it was led by just a handful of Christians who wanted to see God change uh, their, 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 their village and their, their surrounding area and ultimately their nation for Christ. They began to gather and pray. And from that, from that, that, that prayer meeting, it began, revival began to spread and, and to spread across the country. And really, ultimately, the Welsh revival had an impact all around the world through those who were brought to Christ and, and surrendered to Christ during that, that period of revival that went on to go to new and different places with the gospel. But it started with prayer. Some of you may have heard of a sermon, a uh, well-known sermon, maybe one of the most well-known sermons preached during the, uh, the Great Awakening period in our own nation's history. It was preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, preached by uh, a, a preacher named Jonathan Edwards. And if you know anything um, about <clears throat> the delivery of that sermon, you can, get, you can find that sermon, you can, you can download it and read it um, from the internet. And it's, it's a powerful sermon. If you know anything about the delivery of that sermon, it is said that Jonathan Edwards stood stock still in his pulpit, his hands gripping the, the sides of it. His eyes never looked up from his sermon. He read in a monotone voice what he had written out. And yet that, 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 that sermon went forth with such great power that it said that people in the pews were, were, were gripping, white-knuckled, gripping the backs of the pews in front of them and began to cry out to God to save them lest they would fall into hell that very moment. Con conviction was so, so evident in that room. Well, it wasn't from a, a silver-tongued delivery. It wasn't from um, Jonathan Edwards being a great orator, and, and he was a great man of God, but it was powered by prayer, Hours and hours and hours of prayer over that message that would be delivered on that Sunday morning. Prayer helps. 
Prayer really is the key. Prayer really is the difference as we endeavor to please God and serve him. Uh, I need us to understand this morning and, and be reminded again this morning that prayer is essential. It's, it's vitally important. We cannot do anything for the Lord without it. And we can do more than pray after we've prayed. But we can really do no more than pray until we have. Prayer is so important to what God has called us to do, what God has called you to do, and God has made you to be uh, as his child and, and the, the relationships that he's given to you, whether it be that of, uh, of being a husband or a wife or a father or a mother or a child or a friend or uh, whatever it may be that, that God has given to you to do, prayer is vital to that relationship. Prayer is vital to that role. Prayer is vital to that responsibility that God has given to you. And whatever role and gift that the Lord may have placed upon your life for your, your service to him in the context of the church. Prayer is vital to that and, and vital to your effectiveness in, in that capacity. Prayer is so important. We should never see offering prayers as an empty gesture. It shouldn't be that. And, and we're, we're challenged not to offer prayers that are, are vain and vain repetitions and empty in their meaning, empty in their in, their, in, in the heart that's behind them. Not that we shouldn't um, uh, be uh, uh, <clears throat> necessarily pray the same thing over and over again, but that we certainly shouldn't pray it for vanity's sake and for what Jesus said is, uh, they think for their much speaking they shall be heard. That's not the spirit of prayer. Prayer is not effective because it's, it's, it's polished and it's, and it's well thought out and well formulated. And prayer is not effective because it is simply just lots of it and, and, and long. Uh, a one-hour prayer is not necessarily more effective than a one-minute prayer. Your much speaking is not the key to prayer. It's the sincerity behind it. It's the spirit of prayer that we come before God with. Paul said to this church, you're helping by your prayer. And in ways that you don't know, your prayer is helping. Are we helping through prayer? See, we see from the end of this, this passage that we read here, and Paul again relates in verses 8 through 11, he says, We would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will uh, yet deliver us, he also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Prayer helps the one we pray for. This is called intercessory prayer, and different modes of prayer, I, I suppose we could call it different types of prayer. And, and this kind of prayer where one person prays for another person, we call that intercession. We call that intercessory prayer. It is where we act as a, as a mediator, as a go-between, where we, um, we assume the, the burden of another and take it to the Lord for them and with them. It's an important aspect of our prayer. In fact, I believe it's one of the most important things that we, uh, one of the most important ways that we do pray is that we pray one for another. We trust that others will pray for us and, and in trusting that others are going to pray for us, we pray for others. 
And we focus our attention on prayers for others and prayer for God to bless and, and to meet their needs. God, we see here, was comforting and consoling Paul and, and those that were with Paul because of the prayers of the, the, the Christians at Corinth and certainly probably also the, the Christians at Ephesus and the Christians at Philippi and the Christians at Antioch and the Christians at Jerusalem. Uh, there would be people all around that, that part of the world that knew Paul that would have been lifting him up, not knowing the situation. I mean, they didn't have email, right? Uh, they didn't have um, uh, any way to really communicate quickly and effectively. Um, it, was, it was often months and, and sometimes years before you would hear news of, of those who were far away from you. And certainly in this situation, Paul would leave on these missions journeys and he would be gone sometimes for two, three years at a time. And he would return back. And the first news they got from Paul was the first time they saw him again. And yet, in spite of all, in spite of, uh, of, of not knowing the specific situations that were going on, and there would be no way for them to know that, they were lifting up Paul in prayer. And, and even without the, the information to pray specifically for that, God blessed that prayer and was helping them wherever they were. What a blessing that is. So the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is magnified by the prayer of faith. Uh, if you're saved, the, the, the Holy Spirit never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Your, your body is the, the temple of the Holy Ghost. He, he indwells you. And, uh, and when we feel comfort in the midst of trial and tribulation, it is the Holy Spirit that brings that comfort. It is the Holy Spirit that brings that, that consolation. It is, it is Him. But, but the, 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 the act of praying for someone else during a time of burden and, and, and stress and trial and tribulation, I believe, magnifies uh, the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. What a wonderful thing that is to be able to do for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to do for our, our friends and for our family. As in before the tide turns, before the storm ends, before the clouds roll away, prayer brings comfort to the hurting. Late in the book of Acts, it's in, uh, I believe, Acts chapter 26, 27, maybe all the way to chapter 20, whatever it may be, but uh, um, really Paul's last uh, journey that's recorded for us in the book of Acts, he's on his way to Rome. They run into a pretty bad storm. And that night the Lord stands next to him and they thought that all was going to be lost. They unladen the ship and the, the Lord stood next to him and said, be of good comfort. No one's going to lose their life. The ship's going to be lost, but you're all going to survive this. Could it be that there were Christians somewhere else, didn't know Paul was in the middle of a hurricane, but they were praying for him? And the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the comfort of the Lord, magnified in his life in that moment. And through that, Paul was able to give comfort to those others that were around him. What a blessing. The knowledge that others are praying for you bolsters your, your faith, it bolsters your, your, your confidence, it bolsters your hope. I hope that we don't tell people that we're praying for them when we're not or have no intention to. And I, I think sometimes we tell people we will pray for things and then we, we fail to do that, not necessarily intentionally, but sometimes we do. But you know what? By, by, by you telling me that you are praying for me, whether you are or not, the thought that someone else is praying for me encourages me. 
If someone told you this morning they were praying for you, whether you, whether you had a need or a real big need or not, whether they knew about what your real big need was or not, but if they told you this morning they were praying for you, even if they didn't, and as long as you didn't know that fact, right? Even if they didn't though, the fact that someone was like, hey, I'm praying for you, that, that, that encouraged you. That encouraged you. Now, let's, let's, let's follow through, right? Amen? Like, like, let's follow through. Let's pray for people. Let's tell people we're praying for them. Uh, let's not only tell them we're praying for them, let's stop and pray with them. That's the best way to do it, right? It's like, hey, like, I'm not praying for you. I'm praying with you right now. Let's pray. That's encouraging. Why? Because we, we, we believe, we believe in our heart that prayer works. And we believe that if someone is praying for us, that's going to make a difference. Prayer helps the one we're praying for. God protects and, and, and delivers, often protects and delivers through our prayers for others. Prayer can, as we said in, in, in Ephesians 3.20, um, uh, where God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, that, that through the prayers of God's people, God can do miracles. God can, um, uh, uh, can, can bring deliverance and, 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 um, <clears throat> and cause exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think kind of things to happen. Do you guys remember the story in Acts chapter 12? Acts chapter 12, uh, um, the, the first uh, apostle to, to be martyred, James, James, uh, the brother of John had been taken and then he had been, um, he had been slain for his testimony for the Lord. And when the king saw that that made the, uh, the people happy, he then arrested Peter and he was going to do the same thing to Peter. Remember that? And Peter was in jail and Peter wasn't worried because Peter was asleep. The next morning he was going to be executed, but he was asleep between his guards. And an angel of the Lord came into the jail, jail cell where he was and smote him on the side to wake him up. Can you imagine that, right? Getting smacked on the side. Wake up, boy. And, uh, and then his, his chains fell off and he walked out of there. And he thought it was a dream, right? It led him all the way outside of the, of the fortress before he realized it wasn't a, a vision that he was having. That he was actually free from his bonds and out of, out of the prison. And then he goes to the nearest place where he knows there's some Christian people who love him and he finds out they're praying for him. There's a prayer meeting going on. Remember he knocked on the door and this little girl named Rhoda, she goes to answer the door, finds out that it's Peter, doesn't even open the door. She just goes in and tell everybody and they're like, no, little girl, you're crazy. You know, we're praying for him right now. Like, hush, you know, Peter's not outside. He's in jail because that's why we're praying for him. And he's like, no, he's outside. And prayer, prayer did something exceedingly exceeding abundantly above all that they were asking or thinking. Because they were like, Lord, please, please deliver Peter from, from jail. And then God did. And they were like, what? You mean like we actually got what we asked for? Is that, is that what prayer is? I've heard stories of, I heard this one story and it was, I was told in a missions conference one, one year when I was a, a teenager and um, it was of a, 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 a pastor was out golfing. That's what they do, right? That's what pastors do. This pastor was out golfing one day with some men from his church. And uh, they were like in the middle of a hole. Like they had already teed off. They were about to hit their fairway shots. Well, not fairway shots. If it's a pastor, he's probably hit his shot out of the woods. So he was already in the woods and... He was under deep, he just fell under deep conviction 
that he needed to pray for this missionary that was on the mission. He didn't know why, but he just felt, I need to stop, I need to pray for him right now. And he gathered the men that he was playing golf with, uh, probably three other men that he was playing golf with that day. And they stopped right there, pulled off into the, into the woods um, with, their, uh, with their golf carts, just stopped playing their round of golf. And they, and they got down on their knees and they prayed. They began to pray for this missionary. He says, men, I don't know why we need to pray for this missionary right now. And come to find out, and it was hard to get any kind of information from where this missionary was located, but he, he, was, he came to find out that the very moment when the Lord had convicted him and arrested his attention to pray for this missionary, this missionary was going through a very serious crisis on the mission field. And, and, and right about the time that um, things were about to go past the point of no return, the Lord brought a supernatural deliverance to that missionary um, that, 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 that brought an end to the crisis that was taking place. Now, there was, there was consequence and there was aftermath and there was a lot of things that had to be um, taken care of in the end, but, but the Lord spared their lives. And, and the preacher had to wonder, had he not said, we need to pray right now if that missionary would have lost his life, if his family would have lost their lives there on the mission field that day. Because prayer works. And, and, and we need to respond with prayer when the Lord leads. James 5, verse 15 says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And this is specifically speaking about the church praying for someone else. The Lord is able to get healing, deliverance um, through the prayer of faith when it's according to his will. The Lord can give uh, a deliverance through prayer. Whether it always seems miraculous or not, answered prayer is a marvelous work of God's blessing and grace. Prayer works. Prayer helps. <clears throat> Prayer helps the one that we're praying for. Not only does prayer help the one that, that, um, that we're praying for, but I believe prayer helps me. When I pray for others, it helps me. Prayer changes me. Verse 7, it says, our hope of you, this is Paul speaking to the church, our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. You know, Paul is, to a, to a degree, I believe, um, uh, speaking about the 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 part that they have in his ministry and the fruit that Paul has is, 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 is given um, and attributed to their account also because they are partaking in a vital part of his ministry through supporting him in prayer. But I believe also he's, he's speaking about the, the, uh, the law, the universal law of sowing and reaping that, um, that right now you're praying for me while I'm going through a troubled time. When you go through a troubled time, somebody will be praying for you. And a blessing that is... But also, I believe he's talking about the fact that, that, that we can't truly engage in prayer without it changing us, and without it helping us. Even if my prayers are directed uh, primarily and chiefly uh, uh, toward the needs of other people, prayer is going to change me. Time in prayer is going to change my life. Prayer is an act of worship. I can't pray. I can't truly pray. I can't truly go into the, the throne room of grace. I can't truly go, go in uh, to the feet of, of, of my God and make my petitions known and come boldly before the throne of grace. That way, 
without humbling myself. And, and, and to be humbled is to be changed because we all, all naturally operate in pride. Now, my pride is, is, is different than yours and manifests differently than yours does, but we all operate naturally and by default in pride. If I'm going to pray, I have to come before the Lord humbly. That's, that's a change. I cannot pray without uh, 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 exalting the Lord, uh, lifting up God, and, and magnifying his, his presence and his power in my life. I cannot pray without um, coming with a, a heart of submission to his will. I can't truly pray without being changed in my spirit. And a prayer might change a situation, but prayer absolutely changes people. Sometimes it's not the, the, the circumstance that changes. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's my outlook. Sometimes it's my faith that changes in the circumstance. Time in God's presence is always life-changing. It helps me also because intercessory prayer is unselfish. When we <clears throat> first begin to learn how to pray, and our kids do this, and, and hopefully uh, we're, we're helping them to grow past this, but our kids, our, our kids do this, and, and, and it's, it's cute when they learn this, but it's very... Uh, immature level of prayer to focus and, and almost immediately run to my needs. And we do this, right? Lord, thank you for this day. Now help all the things that I have going on in my life. That's one of the reasons why we're, we're challenged to spend time and worship the Lord and thanksgiving to the Lord, um, uh, lifting up the Lord, but then to spend a, a, a big part, part of our prayer time on others, Rather than praying about me and my needs, Lord, help this situation. Lord, help this person. Help this person. Help this need. Help this thing. Help this thing. Why? Because it causes us to uh, focus our attention outside of our own selves. That's good for us. It's good for us to, to be unselfish. Prayer uh, by that is an act of service. It really becomes a ministry of prayer. When we're praying for others, it is a ministry to other, other people. It is an act of service uh, to them to pray to God for them demands that we focus our energy and our effort on another person's needs rather than our own. And that's good for my spirit. It's hard for my spirit, but that's good for my spirit. And prayer is really, I believe, that, that first and maybe primary way that we fulfill what, what the Bible teaches us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That we first take up that burden by sharing it in prayer now, we can do more than that, certainly, after we've prayed, but we have to pray, and, and we need to pray for it first. Praying for others helps me. And we see something interesting here. Again, I said we would work our way kind of backwards through this passage. So back up in verse 4, verse 3, Blessed be God, even, our fa even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And so my, my prayer helps the person I'm praying for, and my prayer helps me as I'm praying for them, but my prayer also helps the person that the person I'm praying for is supposed to help. That's next level stuff. I hope that wasn't too, too muddy there. My prayer for someone else helps someone else that they're supposed to help. 
Prayer has a multi-level impact, and it's not a pyramid scheme, okay? It's a good thing. Listen, when, 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 when we, let's go back to missionaries, when, when I pray for a missionary, we pray for a missionary to, 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 to be safe and, and healthy and, and fruitful on the mission field and have their needs met and for God to do a work through them. What are we really, who else are we praying for? We're praying for every person that they are supposed to be reaching in that mission field. When we pray for one another, uh, what are we praying for? We're, I'm praying for you, but I'm praying for everyone in your family, essentially, right? Because if God changes you, that's going to help your family. And everyone that, the, the, whose lives you impact, uh, your, your extended friends and family that we don't know, that aren't part of our church, we're praying for all of your coworkers and all of your, uh, the people that you go to school with or wherever else you have contact with people. We're praying for all of the people that you're supposed to reach. Hey, when we pray for the kids of our church, what are we praying for? We're praying for the next generation. We're, I'm not just praying for my kids. I'm essentially praying for my grandkids and my great-grandkids and down the line. Because prayer helps the people that the people I'm praying for are supposed to help. St- statistics say that something like four to 5,000, and, and don't worry, this is not me yet, um, four to 5,000 pastors quit the ministry every year. And, and all I can say is, what does that mean? That means that, 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 that there's, there's manifold times more people who won't be helped by that pastor staying in the ministry, by, by, by staying in that pulpit and preaching the gospel and, and going into that community and, and helping that church and leading that church to be uh, the light and the salt that it's supposed to be. When you pray for your pastor, you're praying for uh, everyone that, is supposed to be reached by this church. It starts with prayer. Prayer has that, that, that multi-level impact. Every, every person has influence on other people. Uh, a need that's met right now will have future implications. Our prayers reach farther than we can comprehend <clears throat> hope this morning that we're reminded that, that prayer works and that prayer helps and that it helps in everything and it helps all the time and it helps in ways that we can't see. And so we're left with a simple challenge and a simple choice this morning. Are we not going to pray and pray more often and pray more readily and pray more fervently if we can see how, how powerful prayer truly is and how powerful it truly can be, would we not then commit to pray? And to pray more faithfully and to pray uh, more diligently if it really works like that. I hope that we would. Let's have our heads bowed for prayer this morning. We'll take just a moment here as we close the service to, to respond in whatever, the, whatever way the Lord is, is leading and speaking to our hearts. But certainly would be a mistake for us to leave here without spending some time in prayer where you are in your seat or here at the altar. Let's take time in prayer and response this morning. If the Lord is leading you to take a step of faith today, we want to help you take that step of faith. If you need to trust Christ as your Savior, that's the most important decision that you can ever make for yourself. And we'd love to help you take that step. If there's some other step of faith you'd like to take today, we want to 
help you with that also. But let's take this time and let's respond in the way the Lord is leading. And the piano will play and give us 